Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, CityServe, it's absolutely incredible ministry because they're focusing on the vulnerable and the vulnerable includes, you know, special needs, mental health, um, also at-risk youth and the unborn. And you're gonna hear a little bit of my story. I, I kind of tie into maybe all of those. I don't know about at-risk youth unless you ask my mom. I was born uh, two and a half months premature, only three pounds. Doctors came in, they told my, my parents that if I ever lived, I would never walk, never be productive. I was single till I was about almost 32. And I remember dating this girl. One day we went to the river and getting to the river, I had to like walk along some rocks and lean on her arm to get to the river. It wasn't really dramatic, but it was, we got down to the river and it was really quiet. And I said, hey, what's wrong? And she said, you know, Steve, I, I can't be married to a disabled guy. My whole life, I can't, I can't do it, you know. And and I remember just feeling like I wanted to jump in the river and just start swimming. You know, I think that was really where it, you're like, man, you know, I'm not sure anybody will ever love me for who I am. So when I met Julie, I remember before we got engaged, I had to ask her, you know, how do you know that you can marry and live with somebody with a disability your whole life? And she said something that really. Um, really set me free. She said, you know, I actually love you more because of your cerebral palsy, because of who it's made you to be. People ask me, when did you start to walk without the aid of anything? And uh, um, we went on vacation. I had a couple crutches and I went out to Pismo Beach and one big wave came and just knocked me over and my crutches went out to sea and they sunk. And my mom said, well, that must be, a, you know, a sign that you're just supposed to walk without them. And I was really upset at the time. I thought, oh man, that's so cruel. You know, I need those crutches. And uh, I never walked with them you know, after that. You know what, if I would have stayed in a wheelchair, if I would have been a body cast in the corner of a room, Jesus died for me, you know? And it's that same power that's at work within me. It's in work in that, in that person. And they deserve to be loved and included and cared for in the kingdom. See, I've been so blessed because I have a family that love me. They, they're committed to me. They love God. Um, I have a wife. I have kids that love me. Uh, I am so, I'm, you know, I'm so blessed. So blessed. But there's so many out there and so many others that they don't have community. They don't have family. They don't have anybody that says, I'll love you and I'll commit my life to you even though you have cerebral palsy. All they know is rejection, loneliness, pain, heartache. And those people deserve the love of Jesus just as much as I do. And that's why I'm not just saying this because it's city serve, but I really think city serve, the compassion through the local church, reaching the broken of, of society from the neighborhood to the nations, you know, that this is a message, that this is the message of the gospel. Go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We need to go to them. You know, it's not enough to just wait for them to will themselves to us. We have to find them. I'm so excited we have a missionary, finally. <laughs> After all these months, it's, it's, it was, I don't take it by chance that you had this day free because we were always, you know, looking at the rain last week and different things, but he said it's free, Pastor Ted said it's free, and here we are, and I'm just so thrilled to introduce the Kramers to you. Steve and his wife, Julie, his son, Case, who loves basketball, and 
his daughter, Selah, who loves to skate, right? With all the pads and the helmet, everything. Such a cute picture. And um, we're just so glad to have him here. He spent a lot of time in pastoral type ministry, but was a missionary and what not but and was a missionary to the netherlands for 10 years then he went into chi alpha which is the university uh, ministry of uh, the assemblies of god in um i feel like i'm one of those old pentecostal ladies you know <laughs> this is a disinfectant wipe <laughs> that's so funny anyway the <laughs> The thing is that, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. This is Chi Alpha in, uh, in Oregon. And then he got a call. And it was CityServe from Bakersfield calling to ask him to join the team. And he is now probably, are you the only one right now that is a U.S. missionary? Get this, the U.S. missionary, missions missionary to the vulnerable, as he explained in the video. So we're going to give it over to him for a bit. And um, what else did I forget? 14 months now in, in Bakersfield. And uh, that's a calling right there. Because I can say that. I can, I can say that. Um, but anyway, take it away, Steve. And um, I'm supposed to wipe this off now. There you go. Good morning. Thank you, Carolyn. You probably have the nicest missions director I've ever met. I mean, I know this is being broadcast, but I'll tell you. And thank you, Pastor Ted, for having us, especially on a historical occasion. And as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about Connect Church and Ventura, and I, and I think that my wife and I were talking about for each one of us, I feel like Joe Biden, like this thing keeps coming off my nose. And so, uh, but um, I think this is a real chance for all of us to kind of reconsider and maybe even reboot some of the priorities in our lives. And I believe that the, we talk about missions as being inviting others to the king's table. You know the story of Mephibosheth, he's lame in both feet. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. But first of all, you know, you, you heard about my family, but to understand our ministry, first of all, I want to talk about who the vulnerable are. I remember when Pastor Wendell, a co-founder of CityServe, said, hey, would you come be the director of the Vulnerable Initiative for CityServe? I, I didn't know what to think of the word vulnerable. I'd never heard that word used. Like, I thought that's, I kind of took offense at it a little bit. Like, I'm not vulnerable, you know, I'm tough, you know. And now we all feel vulnerable, don't we? I mean, the vulnerable category is just used, it's used in pharmaceutical commercials, it's used on the news, it's used in sports. It's everywhere, vulnerable. So we all feel vulnerable. But you might ask yourself, so, so what, are, what are you doing? Well, the vulnerable category for CityServe is those with uh, special needs families, those with mental health issues, um, at-risk youth, and pregnant mothers and the unborn. And if there's one thing we believe, we believe that every life is valuable. Amen? And, and so I, I'm just excited for this opportunity. I think to understand our ministry Currently, you have to know my background. See, when I was born, two pounds, three months premature, um, it was a tremendous stress on my family. My, my dad tried to commit suicide by swimming out in the ocean, just keep swimming and swimming. My parents separated for eight months, and, then, and, and they had this first child being a special needs child. And we go to a church in Bakersfield, California. I was 10 years old. 
And it was a church of about 30 people called Highland Assembly of God, pastored by Wendell Vinson 35 years ago. 37, I'm getting old, 37 years ago. And we go in, the church completely transformed my family's life by their love, by their invitation. I remember leaning on Wendell's arm as I was getting baptized. Couldn't even walk, had to get out of a wheelchair, get down into the water. And one church made the difference for my life. My parents have been married now for uh, 40, 49 years, almost 50 years. They've since gone on to not only to have biological siblings, but they've adopted four special needs children from China in their 60s. And see, that's what happens. When we care for the ones that nobody's caring for, there's this ripple effect that ripples to generations. The whole family in the front row here would not be here if it weren't for a church in Bakersfield, California, that wrapped their arms around us at a time of tremendous need. So we're helping churches. We're resourcing them. We thought, okay, the U.S., we've got a lot to work on. The amazing thing is we're getting requests from around the world. So we consider ourselves world missionaries based out of Bakersfield. In fact, it was very exciting because during the pandemic, I think like many people, we thought, well, what do we get? We had a lot of churches interested, wanting to start ministries of all kinds. We thought, well, you know, I guess we hit the pause button for a while, and, uh, but we got a call from the lar- one of the largest churches in Europe, International Church, in Copenhagen, Denmark. And they heard about us somehow, and they said, would you help us start the first special needs ministry in the history of Denmark? Now, I don't know if you know much about world history, but Denmark's old, like, you know, 1,500 years old or whatever. They're probably Vikings. There was no special needs ministry during the Viking era, apparently, you know, but they're going to have the first special needs ministry. Now, you need to understand one in five people in the world are considered disabled. That's just one of our four categories. 20% of the world will be impacted by this kind of ministry. And so, I, can, I, can I just share in my last minute here that I felt like the Lord speak to me today specifically for this church, that there's some of you here that because of what you've been through, you've discounted your ability to be of service to the king. And can I tell you that I'm just being really vulnerable. There are times I still fall down. My family sees me fall down. There are very humbling times. I didn't get up on this stage today because it's easier to be on the floor. Everything about what the enemy wanted to do in my family's life has been redeemed for God's glory to now bless others. And that is a prophetic picture of what I believe God's called Connect Church in Ventura, California to be, to be the mission to be about. So if you're today and you're feeling kind of sorry for yourself, it's normal. That's okay. I've done that too. But you know what? Look to the left of you. Look to the right of you and see who God wants to reach. And it's as simple as going next door to your neighbor. So thank you again for having us. And we look forward to bringing a good report next time you see it. And hopefully won't be wearing masks, but if we do, the mission continues. Amen. Can you give Steve another hand and his family? God is a good God. God's a great God. Amen. God uses and wants to use each and every one of us. Amen? So look to your right, look to your left, and say to that person, Jesus wants to use you. No matter your age, no matter your difficulties, no matter your challenges, and Steve has presented it so well, is that 
He wants to use each and every one of us to reach our world. He talked about CityServe, and, and we're part of CityServe, and we're excited about CityServe and, and what's taking place there. Yesterday, we were giving out food again from CityServe, and we've been doing that for a few months now, and hopefully they'll be able to renegotiate some more contracts, and we'll be able to continue that. Churches across SoCal have been, been doing this, and what an exciting day it was yesterday. About 1,100 boxes went out to people in our community who need the help, and we are able to bless them and share with them how much Jesus loves them and that we love them, and we're here to, to bless into their lives. And so what an exciting day it was. Again, we've been doing it for several months, but it, it, we're looking forward to help doing it more it's, if they can negotiate or they have a new program they're working on as well right now. So we're looking forward to that because we want to be part of reaching those who are in need. Whether it's a food, whether it's emotional, whatever it might be, giving them Jesus and eternal life. So we did that. And, 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 and last, last evening, yesterday, we had our first drive-through trick-or-treat. And, and we did it just in a very simple way. And we're believing that next year on Halloween, we'll not be in masks and social distancing and, and all those things. Uh, but if we do it next year, we will make it even, real more elaborate with all kinds of things. But it was simple and it was great. We did set up some uh, place back by the, the north wing there, they used to call it, over there, the preschool area. And, and we drove them in, they drove in, the kids were all in costumes in their cars, and, and they, they went out and we talked to them and we shared with them, we gave them candy, and they were so appreciative that their children were able to trick or treat in a different way, and we were able to love on our community. So God is good and God is great, amen? He's great all the time. So again, welcome to everybody here, welcome to those in the live stream. Appreciate you being here with us this Sunday. Giving, you, don't forget giving or tithes and offerings. You could, you could go to our website, Connect Church Ventura. Connect Church Ventura. I always forget when I go down the line of that. ConnectChurchVentura.com is our website. Go there, hit the, hit the giving button. It'll tell you what to do. If you want to mail it in, you can mail it to us. If you want to drop it by, you can drop it by the church campus. But call before you do because we want to make sure someone's here. Or if you're here with us right now, there are buckets out in the lobby as you go out. Just drop it in there as well. And, and don't forget after church to say hi to our missionaries. Take their card. You know, and if you want to, you want to start helping giving to them on a monthly basis, please let us know. Just let Julie know. Let us know. Let Carolyn know. And we'll get you set up to do that. Or if you want to do a one-time offering today for them, drop it in the bucket, put it on the little envelope for the missionaries, for Steve, and then so that it goes through them. So we're just excited what God's doing. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You are good and you're wonderful. Lord, we just come to you this morning and we thank you. What a good and encouraging word from Steve, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. We come today to worship you. We come today to 
look into your word, Jesus, and they said, open your word to our hearts and our lives in your name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're in a new series that will take us really close to our Christmas series. We're in this series called The New Norm is the Norm, right? You've heard that for the last several weeks. The new norm is just the norm. And we're in part three today. In part three today is what do you do when the promised land doesn't look like you thought? Huh? What do you do with that? What do you do when the promised land doesn't look like you thought it would look like? So let me read out of the, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, chapter 13, verses 25 through 35. In the context of this, and you could go there and read it this week before and, and after these verses as well, is God has delivered his people, Israel, out of Egypt. He's delivered them. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're, they're traveling. And where are they traveling to? The promised land. And where we pick it up, they are right on, right on the edge of the promised land. And before they go into it, they send out some of the army, you call them spies, whatever, send out to look at the land that God said he's promised to them, the promised land. So pick it up, Numbers 13, verse 25. And at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. These are the ones they sent out. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Sounds good so far, right? It's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's got plenty of, of, of vegetation, plenty of fruit, plenty of everything. It's, it's great. Verse 28. You probably could remember me just doing a sermon when I, when I put, what do you do with the buts of Scripture? All right. Here we're not using that word, but this is a, this is a but. Milk and honey. It's and all its fruit is great. However, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of the Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. And all these that these, they're, they're saying, all these peoples, we find out are very warlike peoples. They have great armies, and, and they are, they're warlike. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people. For they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land and that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out 
is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the peoples that we saw in it are of great height. And, they, and there also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who, be, who, who come from the Nephilim. Then we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. We seemed that to them as well. Think about that. Think about that. The land was plentiful. The land was beautiful. Everything God told them it would be. But it had this other problem. A bunch of warriors and warlike people. You had the giants, which were the Nephilim, which some believe to be the long time, way back before this, that fallen angels had relations with humans and then produced these hybrid race, the giants. So as we read, Moses, Moses, he sent the spies out. They went through it. It looked, everything was great. As I said, 12 of them went. Only two of them said we could do this. 12 of them said, no, we can't do it. And if you read the other scriptures around it, you'll find out they wanted to go back, going to go back to Egypt. They said it's better in Egypt. It's better to be in slavery. At least we had onions and leeks. I never got that. If that's what I, if that's what's going to draw me to go back, no, I would have no desire to go back and eat onions and leeks. You know, nice steak, something like that. That might entice me, but not, not that. So they wanted to go back to that land. The land was not anything like they thought. Maybe, maybe because their understanding about God, what he told them about the land, they, they weren't exactly accurate in their minds. I have to ask myself this question. How often do I do the same thing? How often do I do the same thing when Jesus is leading me somewhere or into something? And when I get there, it doesn't look like what I thought. How many times has that happened to you? The new norm is just the norm. What we've walked into in this country, in the world right now, the things that are taking place, many of them, as we, we walk in, we said a new norm. It's just the norm. And how many of us didn't expect it to look like this? And how many of us say, hey, I, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to the way it was. Because how can this be the promised land? Right? That's what they were thinking. How could this be the promised land? It was a land filled with plenty, just as Jesus said, just as God said it would. And they all, all 12 of the spies agreed with that. 
that, that, that it was this great land. In the minds of the majority of Israel, they, they just couldn't grasp all the other things. They did not expect the people of the land to be strong warriors, and especially they did not expect the giants there. And so two said, we could go. Ten said, we can't go. And then the people cried out that they wanted to go back to Egypt to be slaves. In their minds, they thought it would be much better that way. Better than the new life in the land of promise. As we read, the people rebelled and tried to stone Caleb and Joshua and Moses. But if you read the, the, these passages, you know that God steps in. And he says, okay, all of you under 20 will go into the promised land. All the rest of you leaders, all the rest of you older ones, all the rest of us, no, you're not going to go except for Joshua and Caleb. The rest of you are going to die in the wilderness. Why? Because they just couldn't get their head around the fact that this land was the promised land. But they couldn't believe it was. What do we believe about this new norm? How many do you hear around cursing it? And saying how horrible it is. And saying, let's go back to the way it was. How many of us know that nothing takes Jesus by surprise? Nothing. Jesus is in control. We are entering a new norm with new territories that we have not experienced before, new things that we haven't experienced before. And some of these are, some of the things that we're grappling with and we'll have to grapple with, and this is a very short list, and it's just a general list in that sense. These things are the new norm is growing climate change. We have to address that as people. Whether it's, you know, and I'm not talking about the extremes of any of these things, but we have to look at them. Racial justice and injustice. Multiplicities of gender recognition. Social distancing and masks that will continue to cycle around for a while. New ways of doing work. More tele teleworking from homes and more digital meetings. Younger generations moving out of our larger cities to smaller communities and even rural communities are beginning to take place. And we see whole areas of San Francisco getting depopulated because they're moving out in other of our large centers. They're moving out. None of these are going to go away except maybe for some of those who will, younger generations who will eventually start moving back into the cities because they need the employment and they need those things. But, and the list could go on and on, can't it? Of the changes that are taking place. But can we hear Jesus calling us into that land, that future, that situation. He's calling his people, saying, there is this great opportunity. 
that's going to arise out of all this turmoil, that's going to rise out of all the needs, going to rise out of all of this. There's this great need, and I'm calling you into this land that is going to be, or this new norm that's going to be, so that what? So that we could thrive and help others. That we could encounter others with the love of Jesus Christ, where we could help others who are discouraged and depressed. I could put in that list, definitely, the level of depression has skyrocketed. God is giving us an opportunity to speak into those lives who are struggling with severe depression and struggling and walk the journey with them to bring hope and help and healing. It's a new norm. It's the promised land, if you want to put it that way, as I'm putting it. If that, that promised land doesn't strike you, then think it is the new norm. But a norm that didn't take Jesus by surprise. And a norm and a land he's calling us to. To bring hope and healing and wholeness and new life. So I want to give us, start with giving us some tips, just a few tips to what to do. As we go through, what are we to do when we enter this promised land? Tips for the future, the future new norm, because it doesn't look like we thought it would. One is to remember that Jesus has always been, that Jesus' people have always been the persecuted. Understand that. As we go into this and we, we begin to say, well, this, this is their, their freedoms are being taken away from the church and all these other things that we talk about. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus' people have always been the persecuted. And that's okay. Jesus was persecuted, right? So we need to understand that, that this new norm is nothing really new in that case. But also, are, is it not only that we have always been the persecuted, but we are called to be salt and light. Salt and light. In the midst of all this. A light that shines into those dark places of depression. A light that shines into that place of hopelessness. A light that shines into that person who can't, they lost their job and, and they might be losing their house. And a light to shine into that. That's, that's, that's what we're about. To bring hope and to bless. So, how do we navigate this new norm? How do we navigate this promised land? Why is it the promised land? Because Jesus is here. And he's called us to this place in this time. A second tip is that the promised land always has thorns, enemies, and giants. The sooner we accept that, that the promised land always has thorns, enemies, and giants, the sooner we're going to be able to embrace the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives and the lives of our community. You know, we need to grab that. Instead of saying, oh man, it's got to get better, we're going to make it better. Understand no matter if it, how much better it gets or how less better it gets, 
There's still going to be thorns and giants and problems and all that. It's going to be there. And we need to grab a hold of our opportunity because we're the ones who have the answer. We're the ones who have the faith. We're the ones who could bring hope and healing and restoration through all this. We are the ones. It's God's people. So we must remember that. Our, the promised land, you know, is going to have these things. It's going to have that. It's not necessarily going to be a beautiful home or all these other things, but he's going to promise us that he's going to work through all these things. The church, whatever takes place in our country, in this election that's coming up, and we need to pray for this election coming up. I know we have been. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray. We need to pray as we vote. We need to pray so that we could influence through prayer. And then after this election, whatever candidate gets in, guess what? Jesus was not caught by surprise. Whatever candidate gets in, Jesus is still on the throne. Whatever candidate gets in, Jesus wants his people, his people to be the influencers, his people to love on people, his people to help others, his people to lead others to Christ, his people to help the, ho the homeless and the hurting and the downtrodden, his people. That's what he's going to want. That's what he's called us to. So don't let whatever happens after the election put you in a depression and a downspin. Whichever side of this thing you're on. Jesus' kingdom. That's where we're at. And it's through him and his kingdom that we influence and love on and help others and bring change. It's us who need to call for peace after this election. It's us who to cry out, no, no, no tearing down stores, no, none of this other stuff. We, we're the ones to call for peace and actively move that into our communities. That's the promised land we're in. That's the land we are in. So it has thorns and it has enemies and it has giants. That's why we need this third little tip. Remember that Jesus always, always, always has a plan and purpose for us. Jesus always has a plan and purpose for us. Always. Listening to Steve this morning and his journey to his life, I can't, I can't say I have journeyed that journey. What a journey, what a struggle. But look at the victorious testimony. And look at what Jesus has done through him and his family and has changed to something that is positive. That's 
What we need to land on is that Jesus always has a plan and purpose. And everyone has value. When there is a new norm, Jesus has allowed it, and he has a purpose for it. Know that. Any new norm that is the, the norm that turns into that, Jesus has allowed. Amen? We believe Jesus is in control, right? So this new norm that we're coming into, we have to accept the fact that Jesus has allowed it. And he has a purpose for it. And he has a purpose for his people. He has a purpose for his church. So what are we to do? As we kind of wrap, start wrapping this up. What are we to do? This is, again, these are just a few little thoughts. It's not a whole blown thing because we could go forever and ever in that. But what are we to do? First, live out unconditional love. Live out unconditional love. Don't raise a hand, but just answer this in your mind. How many of you have not quite been able to live out unconditional love during this period? How many of us were, were in situations where we could have blessed that person that we're on the opposite side of and that, that argument is going back and forth, that we could have just blessed that person instead of trying to tear them down and tell them how wrong they were? Unconditional love. Without unconditional love, we're all lost. God has every reason to destroy us. He could have did it back in the garden. He could, get it, he could have did it back at the Tower of Babel. He could have did it when, his, when the Israelites said, no, the promised land isn't the promised land. He could have did it any time he wanted because he just got, he got fed up with all of us. But you know what? Our Heavenly Father is a loving Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us, and will never, ever, ever, ever give up on us. Tell the person next to you there, Jesus is never going to give up on you. I know it's a long shot for some of you there over that six feet, but you know. Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever give up on you. It's us who give up on Jesus at times, right? It's us who maybe walk away from him, or us who refuse to receive his gift of eternal life and, and love. But he never, ever gives up on us. He always shows unconditional love. That means it looks like this. Love the best and love the worst. Think about that for a moment. Did you have anybody come in mind who was the worst? If you did... I think the Holy Spirit's speaking that this week you need to go to that person and just love on them unconditionally. Because Jesus always loves unconditionally. Jesus never once said, Ted, you've blown it too much. Ted, you did this wrong. Ted, I I'm done. He's never done that. Nor will he to any of us. He will never 
never, ever stop loving us unconditionally. So we need to love the best and the worst. We need to love the lowest person and the highest person and everywhere in between. We're to love our enemies. Not just in word, but in deed. Because unconditional love is an action. It's, a do, it's doing. So we need to love our closest friend and Christ follower, as well as that person who hates everything about me and my faith. To love them the same, unconditionally. Second, embrace fully our responsibilities to be good stewards of our planet. We're in a place where, you know, we need to realize God has given us, God has given us dominion over this world. And we need to embrace our responsibility to be good stewards of our planet. This is not a, you know, political or scientific or anything situation. I'm just saying climate change is real. History shows that climate change does. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, the extremes of this position or the extremes of that position. The fact is, climate change takes place, has been doing it for thousands of years. You know, so we just need to embrace that, understand that. You know, pollution is real. Amen. You know, all you have to do is look in our oceans and the, the whole swaths of plastics that are floating around out there in some places and all that. It's, it's real. All right. So I don't get distracted by the extremes. Our culture right now is distracted by extremes. We need to understand that. We're polarized by extremes. Jesus' followers need to not buy into that. We need to be the ones who lead the way and not get trapped into the extremes. Into these this, this extremes, I'll just say that. We have been given dominion over our world to be good stewards of it. We're told in Genesis 1, 26-31 that we are called to be stewards of our planet. Let me read it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God blessed them. Let me get back to that part. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every, I have given every green plant for food, and it, is, it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. In creation, God gave us dominion. 
whole theological and whole study that we're not going to go into in the fact that we lost when we stepped in, when sin entered the world, we let sin begin to destroy things. But that does not take away the fact that God's people, people in general, but especially Christians, are to understand that we have to still have somewhat of a dominion over this world to exercise our abilities and our authorities so that we steward this world well. That we steward it well. From the animal kingdom to the plants to humans to all that, that we steward it well. We're called to be stewards of our finances and the things that we have. That we steward it well. What does stewarding well look like? It looks like what Jesus would do. It looks like what Jesus would do. So we need to understand this is part of the new norm, is that we need to embrace the fact, not the extremes of this, of climate change and all these other things, but we are to embrace the fact that we are to steward the world and not just pollute the world. We need to steward it. Steward it well. The stewardship involves every aspect of our lives. We're to be good stewards in every single thing that we do. As we, as we look at the stewardship of the world, of our lives, our families, our occupations, our faith, our planet, our resources, our finances, we're to, we're to steward that well. That's another teaching, right, about financial stewardship. How are we stewarding what Jesus has given us to care for, to provide, to do all these things? That's what some of the new norm looks like, and that, that's not comfortable. Because it's such a hot button these days as we look at it. In other words, we're to be good stewards of everything we have. So stewardship's part of it, part of the new norm, that we need to grasp that more, and we need to stay away from getting pulled into the extremes. How's Jesus calling you, uh, you to, to steward the world? How's he calling you to steward your finances? How's he calling me to do those things? How's he calling me to steward my family, my, my ministry? How is he calling? What stewardship is that, am I missing in? Where I could be doing better, that will produce wholeness and fruit and, and all those things that we we're looking for. How are we doing that? Lastly, we're to live like Jesus. Again, there's all kinds of things we could put here. But we need to live like Jesus. We just need to spend some time, I think, more in the Gospels and look how Jesus lived. And just sit with that a little bit, I think, in the next weeks and months to follow. What, how did Jesus live? What did his life look like? Here's a few of those things that I, I found, and there's a whole lot more. Live like Jesus. What does that look like? It's being friends with sinners and saints and anyone in between. Let me ask you a question today. Don't answer it. I've asked you a lot of questions today. So we need to wrap this up pretty soon. So here it is. 
How many of your friends are quote-unquote sinners? Okay let, me, okay, let me narrow it. How many of your friends that are close friends of yours are not Christ followers? Jesus hung out with sinners. He did. What we've done over the years is we began to have this thought that we need to separate and not have any close association with sinners because, you know what, we might get contaminated. Jesus was never afraid of getting contaminated. He's never afraid of losing his faith. He's, he's Jesus. He's God. But he is fully human. And he hung out more with sinners than he did with the faithful. Live like Jesus. Right? Instead of cursing the darkness, we are to shine the light of Jesus and his word into the darkness. There's just so much of cursing the darkness today instead of shining the light of Jesus into that darkness. Cursing the darkness, cursing sinners, cursing this, cursing that person or that person or that candidate or that candidate does nothing Nothing to promote the love of Jesus Christ. We need to shine light into the darkness. Instead of complaining about the darkness, Jesus said we're to be light into the darkness. So let's shine some light. And what does that light look like? The love of Jesus. What does that light look like? Compassion. What does that light look like? Helping people. What does that look like, like, look like? It looks like loving on people and caring for people and being kind to people and sharing the love and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Shouting at how bad our country is or how bad this is is going to change, change nothing. It's our lives and our actions. It's giving away food. And going to people's homes and dropping food off and telling them about Jesus. It's helping the vulnerable and, as you said, and those who don't have and those who are lost and those who are just broken and drug addictions and alcohol addictions and, and all the other addictions you could think of, pornography and all of that, coming alongside of them and loving on them and walking life's journey with them and drawing them into healing and new life in Jesus. That's what he's calling us to. Put others first. Jesus, put others first. If we're ever in a question about that, just put others first. If it's a decision on this or that, put others first. Not condoning their sin, but put others first before ourselves. Share the gospel and disciple individuals in small groups. That's what we're to be doing. That's what Jesus did, right? You need to share the gospel and the truth of salvation and the love of Jesus and, and the eternity for people. And we are to lead them to faith in Jesus and then do what? Then disciple them in, in small groups. How many know that every single Christ follower is to be a discipler? 
That means every, every Christ follower, it means every one of us in here who's a Christ follower, we need to be, one, leading people to Jesus, two, then we need to disciple them. Then we need to sit with them over coffee, over whatever, over Zoom if you can't get close to them, whatever it might be. Get with them and start sharing with them, here's the basics of faith. Here's what you need to know as you grow in your faith. That is everyone's. That's not just a ministry within the church. That is all of us. That is all of us. It's so much more. Worship team, come up. As we wrap up today, I just want to say to you, this pandemic that is so hard on relationships, that's so hard in bringing depression and all these things that are so difficult, Jesus, yes, has allowed it. And I believe he's allowed it because he's wanting to shape and change up his church. Because we've become too complacent. The church has become this, we'll send out our missionaries to, to win the lost. We'll send out our evangelists to win the lost. That's great, and we should be doing those things. But Jesus calls his church his people to be winning the lost and discipling the lost and loving the lost. The church over the years in my lifetime has began to look inward more than outward. We covet, we covet our times together more than having our hearts broken for the lost out in our community. We're fearful that our rights are being taken away, but we're not fearful of lost people dying all the time because we just want to gather. Gathering is, is yes, we need to gather. We need to worship together. We need to do that. But over the last decades, we have made that central. And we've left the lost to the evangelist and the missionaries. This pandemic is a wake-up call to God's church. We need to wake up. We need to embrace this new norm and be light and salt and grace and mercy. We need to be sharing with the needy and the downtrodden and the hurting and the drug addicts. So they said, we need to be out there. That's the focus. And when we gather, we need to celebrate and worship Jesus and celebrate what he's been doing out there. It's not for us to sit, just get around and sing hallelujah. 
It's important to gather and worship. But if we just gather and worship and leave the rest to others out there, we miss the major thing that we're supposed to do. We're too focused sometimes on this is our right to do this instead of what about that person down my street who's dying, who's addicted to drugs, but I'm not going to get with them because I'm too busy thinking I can't get with my brothers and sisters. The promised land usually doesn't look like we think. It has all the good stuff in it that God's promised. But it has all the ugly stuff there too. And Jesus has called us to reach those around us in the world. To be the salt, to be the light, to be unconditional love, to be disciples. So I believe Jesus is allowing a shakeup in his church to get us back on track. Get us back on mission. Get us back, and that's exciting to me. Do I like this pandemic? Do I like all this stuff? No, not at all. I don't like being one of the ones who's in the highest risk category. I don't like being in that place because of my age and because of my heart situation that I am the highest risk. I don't like being in that. I'm excited about what Jesus is doing in this time. I fully believe He is waking up His church. And we need to press into that. So don't curse the darkness. Don't curse the new norm. Embrace it with the love of Jesus, unconditional love. Embrace it with it as the opportunity that He's giving us. And let's fully love on people and love on our neighbors and love on the people on our streets and, and just see what God's going to do and, and trust Him no matter what happens next week. It's not taking Jesus by surprise. In whichever way it goes, Jesus is still in control. And he's calling his church to be the peacemakers, to be the reconcilers, to be the healers, to be the ones with compassion. And that they are that. Do not let us be sidetracked with all this other stuff. Went a little long today, but I felt that we need to share this at the end. Jesus is on the throne. He's working in this. You trust Him. So I'm just going to pray right now and let the worship team sing a song and then we'll just close. But I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray for what this week. I'm also going to pray if you don't know Jesus. If you're here with us in person, if you're on live stream with us and you don't know Jesus yet, you haven't come to that place where you ask Him to come to your life, or maybe you did and, and you walked away, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it in faith, and Jesus has already given you faith to just receive Him in His new life. 
Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I turn away from them. I repent of them. And ask you to forgive me and come into my life and give me new life today. In your name, Jesus, thank you that you've done that. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer here, please let us know. You can drop it in a, one of the cards back there. You can send it, an email to us at info at connectchurchmentor.com. If you're online, send us an email at info at connectchurchmentor.com. And we want to get back with you and just celebrate with you. If you need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. If you we want to get you in the next step group, we're here for you. Amen. We're going to worship. If you'd like to stand, you can stand. We're going to worship this last song and close.
not be silenced and cowardice rule. For if my God is for me, then what have I to fear? And I will not deny him the glory that is his. Will heaven not prevail? Sing it out. And strongholds not be moved. Will spirits, will spirits not be silenced? And coward at his rule. For if my God, for if my God is for me, then what have I to fear? And I will, and I will not deny him the glory that he says. Heaven will prevail. Heaven will prevail. Come on. And strongholds will be I pray if you need a healing today, you need a miracle, you need an answer. So I just pray right now, just you lift your hand up. This is just a sign to Jesus. That's you. Jesus, I just pray right now for those who need a healing, those who need a miracle, those who need an answer, Lord Jesus. That right now, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name that you would speak the word to them. Speak a word of healing for those who need healing. 
speak a word of direction, an answer that's needed, Lord Jesus, that you would speak that even now, Father. We believe you for that, trust you for it. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for this week coming up, the elections, Lord Jesus. We pray and ask that you'd bring peace, that you'd hold the powers of darkness at bay that would want to cause turmoil and destruction, that you'd hold them at bay, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you, you, your will is done. We pray, Lord God, that you would move mightily, and we believe you for it and trust you for it, Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, in your name, in your name. Amen and amen.